Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Rachel Young, a true crime goddess. Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. I'm the type of person that when I'm driving around and I'm lost or I'm frustrated, I have to turn the music down because I can't concentrate. <laughs> oh, no, I hear that. Yeah. I'm like, I think oh, we... my God, turn it down. I can't tell what I'm doing. Yeah, it's like sensory overload. Yeah, exactly. Like, I need all my faculties and I can't be singing along to Britney Spears while I'm trying to do it. <laughs> it's usually loud rap music that Dylan's playing. Those are some pretty good friggin' chicken strips. Yeah, they are. And you know what? The gravy was actually terrible when I tried to eat the gravy by itself. I didn't even notice that's how good those chicken strips were. were the, Why would was you it bad gravy, gravy by itself? I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, I didn't notice until after I'd finished the I chicken I don't eat strips. gravy, so I don't know. Gloss over my question. Okay. Well, I'm she sorry, what'd you say? Arteries. <laughs> we were talking about gravy. She eats it like soup. I Martha, love gravy. Oh, I'm the last leg with no. What did I do? Oh, <laughs> she asked you a question. You what was the question? The question? The question was, why are you eating gravy on its own? Because gravy's delicious. Okay. Normally, that really wasn't great gravy for by itself. You know who surprisingly has good gravy? Dairy Who? Queen. Really? I was just really? going to say that. They really do. Their chicken strips and fries mm. and gravy are really good. I don't That's like their like the chicken strips, I'll though. Get there. I'm going you know? for fries and gravy well, next time. Our emotional support Canadian would be so proud. Fries and gravy are good. Well, poutine. Evidently, you put the chi- you put the fries and then you put the cheese chunks and then you cover it with gravy. That's that's evidently. Do you cover it with the brown gravy or like the chicken gravy? Because I'm not into the brown gravy. I don't so know exactly what kind of gravy they use. Chicken I don't want gravy, gravy would be okay. And cheese, gravy and cheese don't belong. See, evidently, there. it's a Canadian thing, and yeah. I'm here for it at least to try it. A, I love cheese curds, and B, gravy is nectar of the gods. Have you ever put so. malt vinegar on gravy? I mean, mm-hmm. on not gravy, on fries. fries. Yes. yes, I love malt vinegar love on fries. I never love did that till I found a Five Guys, mm-hmm. and that's what they. Do you guys have those out there? Yeah, we yeah. do. Do they have malt vinegar on there? I haven't seen malt vinegar on there though. Here. Really? Here. That's no. all I haven't they do seen out here. They have I, malt vinegar yeah. bottles everywhere. Well, it's a it's a New York Pennsylvania thing because all oh, of the. All of the um, like places, like pizza places and stuff that you could order fries, they always had malt vinegar on the table mm-hmm. with like the ketchup. It was like yeah. ketchup, malt yeah. vinegar, salt and pepper. Down here, that's not a thing. They do that in Illinois too. Do they? Yeah, Are down you here. Guys so it's a northern they thing. They put mayonnaise on French fries because I find that's that really completely disgusting fucking gusting i like mayonnaise that's like a thing in a i like, mayonnaise. States, but I I like mayonnaise and fries i do not like rachel mayonnaise. you are like my twin <laughs> we both like completely cut people out of our lives and we eat mayonnaise and fries mayonnaise and fries is the most disgusting thing i could possibly imagine i don't like ketchup. oh no guess what else they do in illinois mayonnaise <laughs> ketchup yeah you mix, mix it, together, it together like special sauce Ooh, or it's called fry sauce actually that's what it's called that's disgusting. is that what fry sauce is yeah that's, that's what, what fry sauce is that is yeah. that's not my God my damn jam, it. i just ate you guys really but ranch dressing on fries 
on point. That's mm-hmm. a Texas. I'm not into that either. You know, in, in Texas, they put ranch dressing on their pizza. It's good. That's a big thing here, too. I, yeah, I think that's... I, it I bothers like that, me for actually. a number of reasons, but the largest being, why the fuck would you put more calories on your pizza? Well, well you I just, don't want it on there. I just it. want to I dip, dip it. Yeah. Why? Yeah. And a lot of times, I, I like to dip the crust. Now, yeah. now if, if I get the choice, I like to dip my crust in balsamic vinegar. Ew. I like to press in ranch or nacho mm. cheese sauce. Garlic butter. <laughs> Ooh, garlic butter. Garlic butter is garlic a good butter one. would be good. If it yeah. were real garlic butter. I'm a I'm oh. a garlic butter snob. I only use fresh garlic. Yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. Yeah. and not real um, butter. Yeah. Fresh garlic and, and, and say, plant and butter. We're getting to the butter. Plant <laughs> butter. And hydrogenized no, oil. It's, all, it's <laughs> olive oil butter. <laughs> If you order, um, if you order from Papa John's, order some extra little garlic butter containers, and then save them and mix up like some pasta and veggies, and put a couple of those in there. So oh, I good. bet that's good. I do that too. Mm-hmm. I also dip like plain or onion bagels in that sauce. That oh, really that would it. be good. Mm-hmm. You know what I was going to say? French fries in a chocolate milkshake. Have you so, ever done that? Oh, that yeah. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Dip fries in a frosty. Oh yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I so do good. that. I'll dip fried pickles in a milkshake too. There's it's something good. about a milkshake that it doesn't matter what you dip in it. You know, it's going to be delicious. There, it just doesn't I matter. I could find something. Tyler, <laughs> when he was little, he used to dip his um, popcorn chicken in his milkshake. Mm, I just love milkshakes so much. There's pro- pretty much not anything that you could do that would. The chicken and yeah. the milkshake was a little different. I wasn't on board with that, but mm. yeah, that. Yeah, because that leaves weird. like little crummy things in your milkshake, and then I'm like, well, no. I just didn't oh, like. Well, the yeah, taste there is the... that. I don't, I don't like that idea. Yeah, okay, I'm grossed out now. <laughs> but some fries and a frosty. Oh give yeah, give me that. All day it's long. pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Have you guys that? This might be a a here thing, but I feel like every year when there is, for example, the Shamrock Shake, all the fast food places at once their milkshake machines never work. Like they're always broken. Like, yeah, I know. All yeah. I want are shamrock shakes. I mean, what when is shamrock it? shakes come out, what? It's like what mint? exactly is that? It's mint? It's mint. Yes. It's a Ew, mint I shake. don't want that. But you could also, you can ask them to make it with chocolate ice cream and then it's like. <gasps> it's okay, mint chocolate I'm on board for. But I just like plain. Oh my God. They're that really sounds good. so delicious. It's amazing. I think I mean, some places won't do it, but mm. there's the one place that do it that they do a mint shake and they put pieces of chocolate in it. If I hadn't just eaten, that would make me hungry. But now I'm I'm so full <laughs> that I feel like I'm, I feel like a tick right now. You guys remember that okay. Brad song? I want to check you for ticks. My yeah. dad loved that song. Um, what? <laughs> that song was so horrible. Brad, I don't I don't recall really? that song. Yeah. It's it's a cute, catchy little song, but my dad used to. And then he like when it first came out, he's like, "Hey, hey, hey, have you heard this song?" I'm like, "Yes." Stop. <laughs> okay, you guys have ticks. Yes. Do mm-hmm. do do your ticks not carry Lyme disease? No. Lyme I mean, disease they carry is a other huge thing here. They carry, sometimes, sometimes they do, much. but um, it's not as prevalent. But there are other sorts of diseases that they carry. The Lone Star tick carries 
something else. And don't we have like Rocky Mountain? Interesting. And we and we could get Rocky Mountain spotted fever too from ticks. Huh. Because my parents, like, they used to live up here, and then they moved to South Carolina, and they live on this island. But see, Lyme but, yeah, disease comes off of, them, like, they deer couldn't ticks. get Lyme disease in South Carolina because ticks didn't have it. My mother was like, what? Do they not have tire? Wow. There are certain types of a tick where they're really tiny little ticks. They're called deer ticks. Yeah, the deer yeah. have that. That's what we have up here, but they all, like, do. Maybe they don't have Every time you go deer. outside, you get tons of ticks, and everybody freaks out because... They all carry Lyme. Like, Lyme is insane here. I heard, um, and I can't remember where it was. Closer than me. Probably the internet, so you know it was true, that there is a, <laughs> a disease that you can get from ticks that makes you allergic to meat. That's true. That's a true story. Meat? Yes. Yeah. It makes you allergic to meat. And like, you have oh, an allergic reaction to meat, and from that point on, you can't. Eat. You can't like eat what, meat. Like beef? Like what kind of any like, meat? Any meat. Anything it's, at it's all. It's like a protein. Holy crap, that would suck so much. I know. It's like a protein oh, in not meat. That bad. Could you imagine? I know, but life without I bacon? I can't imagine that. I mean, I'm a. I'm, I'll never I'd be, be okay. a vegetarian. I'll never be a vegetarian. Like, guys. Some like you could never have a hamburger again. Oh my gosh! But you can believe never me, have... there are plenty of. I'm a carnivore. I gotta have my. Whatever, Rachel. I love beef, 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 beef. bacon, bacon. Bacon beef, bacon, bacon beef, beef, bacon beef. Sorry, no. Rach. Put those together. <laughs> I mean, I don't eat a ton of it, but as soon as you told me I couldn't eat it because I was you would want it. That would be a ama- That would be immediately all I wanted to eat. She would be like that lady in Scrubs with the lobster bib, <laughs> with the, <laughs> her face all swollen up. Put it with straw worth it. Honestly, if I had a Scrubs is so allergy, funny, you should like watch her. it. I would be like, okay, get ready. I'm going to eat it, and then you have to take me to the hospital. It's going to be totally worth it. Get the EpiPen ready. I'm, I'm, I'm about to take a bite. Call 911 before, like, while you have the fork in your hand. Don't shoot, Hi, don't shoot me up until it's all I'm the way starting. closed. It was so worth it. When I eat Fruity Pebbles, I get terrible gas. Do you? Probably yeah. from all of the Real dyes. farty. Yeah. All the dye in them. Isn't that weird? I mean, you wouldn't think that something like that it, it doesn't have a whole hell of a lot in it. It's just rice, right? Yeah. I can eat Rice Krispies all day long and I don't have the farts, but the minute I eat Fruity Pebbles, I'm like, Memo to self on our getaway don't bring Fruity no Pebbles. No Fruity Pebbles are allowed. <laughs> Cause there Do your farts a... at least smell fruity or no? No, there's no fruity smell there. No. Um, no. no fruity fart smells? No. Mm. no. You ever no. notice when you drink coffee, your pee smells like maple syrup? Anybody ever get that? Yeah. Okay. No, I don't mine think doesn't. that's true of mine. No, me neither. I think... It happens to my sister, too. You must have special pee. It's a family treat. Or sometimes you can smell the coffee when you pee. Because sometimes, yes. like, I've drank a bunch of coffee and I'll go to the bathroom and then I'm like, mm, I want more coffee. Yes. You can tell. <laughs> you yeah. don't have coffee. I turned the coffee maker on for you. Oh, well, I brought a pop. Because yeah. we were having chicken. Chicken and coffee is kind of yeah, a stretch. Yeah. yeah. Although, not a great combo. after when I eat my pie... Well, I, I bought I'm gonna have I'm gonna have today... a fried pie a la mode on National Cherry Pie Day. Did you just know it was fried like cherry pie day, or do you have a calendar that says what um, all these days are? 
don't ever remember. Because of what I do for a living, I will go you check. Have to know these awesome a lot of time. Facts. Well, I don't have to know them, but like if I'm super bored and don't have anything to talk about, I get on and start doing searching and try to find some shit to talk about, which is how I found that out because and then she immediately texted me because i'm it's thinking bonnie's gotta find me some pie yeah you and know she's she like the truck. she's like well you don't have to get me pie but you know she wanted she's passive aggressive she wanted me to buy her pie that's the only reason she texted me she's like, i'm not saying that you need to buy me pie but did you know that it's national cherry pie day <laughs> There are very few things I do that with. Come on. I know. I'm just joking. Just pie. So for her birthday, she got a five pack of Clorox wipes and some fried pie. Nice. Not just fried wow. pie. Fried cherry pie. Yeah. Mm. And my birthday's on Tuesday, by the way. I wonder what Tuesday will be. National it's nothing what? good. I already looked it up. Really? It's National Martha Day. Yeah, it's like a shitty, it's like a shitty. The 22nd is Margarita Day. Yeah, I know. It's like the day before and the day after are both good, but my birthday is like. What's the 22nd? Margarita. National Margarita Day. Pat Marita. I was like, that's, that's weird. It's International Dog Biscuit Appreciation Day on February 23rd. February 23rd. The holidays include. Curling is cool day, which I totally agree with because curling is the funnest thing to watch on TV. Diesel engine day, International Dog Biscuit (laughs) Appreciation Day, National Banana Bread Day. Oh, we'll take that. Um, National Rationalization Day. That's like the best day. I could rationalize things on my birthday. Right? Yeah. National Tile Day. You could tile something. No. Pinocchio Day, which is kind of strange. No. Play Tennis Day. No. Which is really weird because it's February. I know. And I don't really like tennis. Tennis is boring. You like Tootsie Rolls? It's Tootsie (gasps) Roll Day. Oh, I do like Tootsie Rolls. And it is World Understanding and Peace Day. Which is great. We when should is all that? have that. Today? These are all on the 23rd. On my birthday. February. Oh, oh it's also World Spay Day, so spay your pet. I saw that, and I, I, I'm not on board with that. No, I don't want that to be on my birthday. <laughs> oh, I was like, <laughs> At least it's not neuter day. Have an issue with people True. spaying their pets? <laughs> on my birthday? Yes. Well, at least it's not so, cut off your dog's balls day. Yeah, that's true. Last night on the Tribe... Yeah. We're off to the bookstore. See ya. Yep. Bookstore. La, la, drinks. La, la, la. I can see us skipping away, holding hands. <laughs> I don't know about crazy chickens away. around your neck. Yes. <laughs> I don't know about holding hands. Oh, come on. <laughs> Hold my hand, Bonnie. God. So long as I don't have to hug you. God. What's she up won't with even. She's my best huggers. friend. She won't even fucking hug me. It's weird. I have a friend like that, and I'm like, why do you do this every time? I do not hug anymore. It's awkward. You, like, go in. I don't know where to put my arms. I'm like, "Uh." (laughs) I know. Bye. Don't hug the book girl. I know. I'm like, we just had a nice Just hug Martha. Why? Well, I kind of, when people start giving hugs, I, like, take three steps back. Same. (laughs) She does, yeah. (laughs) 
There'll be no air kissing in this podcast. No. Okay. When my parents, even when they come to visit, they're like, okay, give me a hug. I'm like, oh, do I have to? I know. Like, it's it. awkward. I'm you sorry. Know, you, people hugging call is me awkward. The, you people call me the tin man, but I'm sorry. At least I can give affection in person, even though I don't read sappy books and cry and whatnot. I don't do that. Read sappy books? Yes, you fucking do. I feel I don't cry. I, I don't read sappy books. I, I read, feel I read targeted. sappy books, but I don't cry. I don't cry. Yeah, my ass. Huh? My Why ass. Why do you say it like that, Rachel? I don't, I don't cry. Crying no. is a terrible thing. <laughs> I don't cry. Crying cry is good for the books. I'm just saying, don't hug me. I don't want at work my boss like i i don't know what the hell was going on but i was upset about something and my coworker was You're like crying right now aren't you keith <laughs> sorry go ahead she, asked, she was like can i give you a hug and i said no thank you <laughs> don't show emotion at work and then that way nobody feels like they need to give you a hug like when I got divorced I was divorced for two years before anyone at work even knew it and the only reason they discovered it is because when I passed out Christmas cards his name wasn't on the card and you call me the tin man and they're like why isn't Dennis's name on this I'm like we got divorced oh my god when did that happen I'm like two years ago I sent that asshole packing <laughs> shit he's already married again now <laughs> We're past the hug. Step problem. back. <laughs> We're past the hug. Step back. We thought you seemed happier the last. I need two that years. on a shirt. We're past the hug. Step back. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Rachel? This cracks me up because I think we hugged when you first came here. <gasps> I, I wasn't going to be rude. Like if you wanted a hug, I was going to give you a hug. Well, right. I mean, if somebody comes in, you know full position for a yeah. hug i'm not gonna like right it. Yeah. well since or covid a, nobody's huggy see that's why way. covid is my bitch everybody stays home hey, which I'm i love they stay away from me which is even better you know what i love about covid i love the mask me you too, like the dude. mask the unfortunate nose is hidden from the world yeah except you know what's yeah. unfortunate about the mask is when you eat broccoli for breakfast and then you and have to then, smell your own breath all day. Yeah. Well, Especially you, if you burp. That's what I was going to say. When you go shopping at Sam's and you have broccoli burps the whole time going, Ugh. or sushi I just burp. discovered sour cream and onion popcorn. And <laughs> that's never a good, good callback. <laughs> I think we better transition I, into books here pretty um, soon. You, you have another thing about COVID? What were you going to say, Keith? No, I was just going to say that I really love masks because um, I can... I can mouth things under the masks. If I had something <gasps> over my eyes so people couldn't see me roll my eyes all the time, I would be in heaven. <laughs> you need like, a full face. I can't tell you how often <laughs> I'd be like at preschool or something. And when I had masks on, I could be like, <laughs> you know, I could be like we're all going to be in trouble when we don't, when we don't have the masks anymore. Cause it's going to be like, what did you just say? Uh, nothing. I'm sorry. It's kind of like when spring comes around and you're used to yelling at people in your car with your windows up so they can't hear you and you forget your windows are down and you're like, yeah, what? Use your fucking blinker, <laughs> Go, motherfucker, it's green. And then you're like, oh, sorry. Have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've 
we've got a long time without talking about books. <laughs> we have uh, totally over. Evening and Morning by Ken Follett. This is the one that we did a group read on and did phone calls. And I was actually really surprised at how many people liked this book. I was. It oh, made yeah. me very happy how many people liked this book. It's set in the 900s. This starts with a Viking raid. And speaking of cheating, the reason why the Viking raid is found out is because one of the main characters, Edgar, is up extremely early in the morning to meet with a girl named Sunny, who is already married because they are going to leave the village and go live somewhere else's husband and wife. Basically, back then, this is your way of divorcing your husband. You just leave you with just someone leave. else. Right. And you just bugger off with somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. But when he goes to the shore where he's supposed to meet her, he sees the Viking ships coming in and he goes to warn everybody in town and rings the monastery bell and everything else to wake everybody up so that a lot of people end up escaping to the woods. Now, a lot of people do die, including Sonny, the woman that he's supposed to run off with. But it kind of sets up the the happenings of this book. Like, because this town is raided and the people who die, die. So the town that they go to is called Drain's Ferry. And Drain is the name of the, um, the, name of the owner of the pub and the ferry to go back and forth across this river. And one thing that just really fascinated me in this book was how often people just rip their clothes off so that they can cross this river or this stream. (laughs) (laughs) Like people just, I don't know, maybe they just didn't have as much, what do you call it when modesty, they didn't have as much modesty back then, I guess, because your Edgar's always like taking his clothes off to go try to save somebody in the river, taking his clothes off to cross the river, taking his clothes off to do this. Well, they didn't have very many sets of clothes, so maybe that was it. <laughs> but the funniest thing is, is that he's always taking his clothes off to do stuff. But then when the 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 pub or Drain's daughter comes out and takes her clothes off, all of a sudden he's offended. Anyone who's read any of the Pillars of the Earth or any of Ken Follett, you know that. All of his stories are very intricate, and there's a lot of different things happening all the time. And the the main noble people in this book is three sons that all of them call, it's like Woodworth, Winston, and something. Werewolf, Winston, and something. Am I right? Yeah. The dude's name is Werewolf? Yeah, something like that. Ken Follett has a thing for bad guys with W names. He really does. Huh. He does. And, um, you know, they try to bully the peasants and so on and so forth. And It's all right. Take it's a time. very hard, convoluted book to talk about. It is a very hard book to talk about because so much happens in it. And you can't really talk about what happens in one part of the book without giving away what happens in the next part. Because everything is a chain of events in this book. and But mainly it's about Edgar's path and how he ends up where he is and so on and so forth and also the other main character that I really liked in this book Ragna who is she's a a noble person from another country and she comes to England and it's about her journey also and it just it's a very interesting book it's brutal there is violence against children and animals in this I'm gonna just tell you right now so 
be prepared. Just like every other Pillars of the Earth book, it's a little bit rapey. It's still a really good story, and it's just you just get sucked into this Ken Follick hole when you're reading it, and you just don't want to do anything else but find out what happens to these characters. And how many people did you have in this buddy read? Like 12? Oh, my gosh. And everybody loved it? Oh, yeah. We had a lot of people on the buddy read. It was really great. And like I said, I just loved it. Everybody loved the book as much as I did. It's a long book, but there are so many stories that intertwine throughout it. That, that it, it doesn't seem to long. Be long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Even though the book is like 36 hours long because I did the audio, hmm. um, it doesn't seem like it's that long just because there's so much happening all the time that you look down and you've only got three hours left and you're like, what? I'm going to have to start this again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I read this three times. <laughs> a lot of it, though, was because we were doing the buddy read. Because I had read it already. Then we did the buddy read. So I read it again for the first call. And then I read it again for the second call. Because I can't stop halfway. It's like only eating half a candy bar. What the what the fuck well, kind so of person does that? so many things happen. And there are so many small nuances. I would imagine that you probably get something new each time you read you do especially when you're doing the audio because when you're doing the audio and doing other things at the same time sometimes you miss little tidbits so when you go back and listen to it a second time you catch all of that yeah i had to ask vani i said i was taking notes i said okay vani help me with who these people are because their names are all (laughs) kind of similar i mean it's an awesome book and i think if you have an extra 36 hours to kill I would go ahead and give it a read. It's awesome. And just so that everybody knows, this is the prequel to Pillars of the Earth. And it happens far enough away from Pillars of the Earth that if you have not read Pillars of the Earth or any of the other books in the series, it's okay. You're not going to be lost. They're not directly connected. All of his books, right? Like if you read evening in the morning and you did not want to read pillars but you wanted to read world without end you could do that because there's no characters or anything that are directly related like i said it's you know great 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 ancestors so but yeah it was i'm glad you introduced us to that book bonnie to the evening in the morning yeah it was Mm -hmm. I'm always afraid when I recommend a book and so many people are reading it that everyone's going to hate it. And they're like, I don't know what the hell's wrong with Vani for liking these books. Well, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, that did come up a few times with uh, Pillars. But but in a good way. <laughs> right. Fucking Ken Follett. <laughs> but because you I love very it. much enjoy the book. I, I don't enjoy what happens with some of the characters, but with all sorts of things that I read and enjoy. I often want to throw the book against the wall because I get mad at what people do in the books, but But that just tells you that I'm engaged. One of the things that I love about books like that is that when they produce such strong feelings inside you, even if it's a hate where you want to throw the book, that's what I want. I don't want some on-the-surface, weak little book that I'm going to forget five minutes after I read it. I want a book like this that's chewy and is going to make me feel feelings. <laughs> it's the only time I feel feelings. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> when you said feel feelings, I had to react that way. Because just starting off with that Viking raid, I was like, oh, okay, we're just going right in? Okay. Yeah, I know. They just started right in, just boom. 
violence. It was. It was. I was like, oh shit. Oh, yeah. Like one dude like have chopped another dude's head off and oh. Yeah. It starts off with Edgar like just sleeping and going to see his love and then all of a sudden it's like oh, oh, okay. Middle of all a right. fight. Yeah. But he saves the dog so it's all good. <laughs> we love you, Martha. <laughs> An animal killing? Like I'm so out. You know, like it's funny how say that. it's funny how you you guys focus on that. And even with a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you which of the books I've read have had that in there. I just don't pay that. I just don't pay any attention to it. Yeah, I'd rather you kill the people than the pets. Priorities, I guess. <laughs> but again, that was I don't know if I said title and author. Uh, the evening and the morning by Ken Follett. What? Why are you laughing? It's the weird thing to end on and animal abuse. And then again, that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, just keeping it real, man. Just keeping it real. Awesome. <laughs> we had some Viking killing. Now we need some romance. Okay, so I read Heart Bones by Colleen Hoover. I was really emotional during this book, but I am the opposite of Martha. I wish I could be more like Martha. I feel everything that the characters feel <laughs> bothers me a lot. So this book is about Bela, B-E-Y-L-A-H. She is 19. She's just graduated from high school and she has had a really tough life. Uh, she lives in a, in a trailer uh, with her junkie addict mother. And one of the things that made me so emotional about this book is just the description of Bela's life. Uh, you see it in flashbacks and you see it in just kind of the things she says throughout the books, but um, she basically, it opens up and she's coming home from McDonald's and she works as a cashier there and she works part-time because if she didn't, she wouldn't have money to eat. That's how bad her living situation is. And when she walks in one day, her mom is sitting on the couch and is dead from an overdose. Oof. It's definitely a difficult book to read just based on her life. Uh, so she calls the police and they remove the body. And right after that happens, the landlord, the guy who owns the trailer park comes and basically tells Bela that uh, she needs to leave in the next few days because they are three months behind on their rent. And now, how old Bela is she? Has, she's 19. Uh, and Bela can't afford to pay rent. Bela does have, uh, she is a volleyball player at her school. So she has gotten a full ride to Penn State University. So if she just makes it to the fall, and this is in June. So if she just makes it to the fall, she'll kind of be golden because she can go to Pennsylvania and she lives in Kentucky. So she, that was her goal to get out and to start a new life but she has to figure out what to do until then. She doesn't really have friends around. Uh, she doesn't have anybody to go to, but uh, she, her father is a one night stand of her mother that happened, you know, 19 years ago. She used to see him like every summer, but they're really not close. She hasn't seen him in three years. He got remarried and she doesn't even know the new wife's name. She, so he has tried to get a, in hold, a hold of her, but it's the kind of thing where she doesn't even have a landline. She has to go to the landlord's house to even call her father to say, hey, can I come stay with you? 
And that's exactly what she does. She says, hey, can I come stay with you? She doesn't say why, but he's thrilled to have her visit. So he sends her a plane ticket. She's so poor that she has to perform a sexual favor for a guy in her high school to even get a ride to the airport. Oh. I mean, that's how messed up her poor life is. She has enough clothes that they fit in a backpack. Everything she owns fits in a backpack. And so she goes and she flies to uh, Houston where her dad lives now. She lives such a weird life that she, she lies and she kind of just doesn't tell people things because she doesn't think they'd understand, which I'm, a lot of us wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't trust anyone. Uh, I wouldn't the, either. Right? She has no reason to trust anyone if she was raised that way. Exactly. And one of the, one of the big themes throughout this book is the fact that she's never been loved and she's never ever been hugged or held in her entire life. And she's 19. So she, her father and her mother and her, her stepmother and her stepsister, who is a year older, who's 20, they all live on an island off of Houston. So um, they, they are taking a ferry over and Bela hasn't eaten in like 36 hours or something. So she's very, very hungry. And they're going to, it's like a beach resort where a lot of people come and rent. And it's kind of like the Outer Banks kind of thing, like a place where rich people live, vacationers come. So it's a really pricey place. Mm -hmm. And she's on the ferry and there are some kids feeding the ducks and they have a loaf of bread and all of a sudden everyone sees dolphins. So they go over to the other side of the uh, ferry to look at the dolphins and the kids kind of drop the bread loaf on the ground and she picks it up and she eats the bread for the ducks. And she kind of looks around while she's doing that and she sees a young man with a camera and he's taking pictures of her and she's so embarrassed. Aww. And so she, um, the ferry pulls in to the island and she goes to use the restroom and that young man is waiting for her when she comes out and he tries to give her a 20 and she has trust issues and we know what she had to do to get a ride to the airport so she automatically assumes he's trying to proposition her so she kind of she takes his camera she takes the memory card out and she throws the camera and breaks it and she gets in her car and they her father and she drive off. Her father and she don't have a great relationship, so she doesn't really talk to him. Still hasn't told him why she's visiting. Has no luggage, so she like lies to him and says the airport lost her luggage because she's so embarrassed that she only has a backpack. So when they get to the, the house that her new family owns, the stepsister's name is Sarah, and she says, oh, you know, uh, I have a boyfriend and he's best friends with the guy that lives next door. We should double date. And of course, it's the guy with the camera. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and his oh. name is Samson. His name is Samson. He's 20 and he's like the other lead of our book. And Samson is really different, too. He doesn't answer any questions about himself, even really innocuous questions like where were you born? That's just kind of his thing. People ask and he just says, no, I'm not gonna answer that. The whole book is just kind of about 
the relationship that the two of them form. She realizes she made an assumption. She grows throughout the book and realizes that she kind of makes assumptions about people because they're rich or because they're more well-off than she is, just the way she feels that everybody makes generalizations about her because she's so very poor. And she and Samson form this friendship. They, they recognize sadness in each other. They want to have like a relationship, but they both know that they're moving on. Like he's going to the Air Force at the end of the summer. She's going to Penn State at the end of the summer. So they just decide to have a, a summer fling. Mm-hmm. And the whole book is about them being damaged together and trying to get past all the things in their lives that have really shaped them into the people that they are now and trying to get beyond who they are now into the people that they want to be. And I don't know, maybe normal people wouldn't cry like a baby throughout the book, but (laughs) (laughs) I cried just so hard just because I don't know if it's being a parent and just thinking about, or if it's being a human being and thinking about her situation and how awful it is that she fell through the cracks. And then as you go, you just you keep learning horrific things that have happened to the both of them. Mm. But I mean, it does end happily. Well, there's that me. at least. <laughs> Thanks, Keith. But, but getting there is quite the ride. But it was, I love Colleen Hoover. I don't think she, I don't think I've ever read a book by her that I haven't liked. Uh, it's not like a super steamy, spicy book. It's it's a very romancy book, but it's not like the angsty kind of. It's a nice romance read with a little spice, but it's not over the top crazy. It's if you've ever read Colleen Hoover, you'll love this one, and uh, that was called Heart Bones by Colleen Hoover. All right, Rachel. Time to bring this down. Time time to bring us into the darkest place you can imagine, as if that last place wasn't dark enough for you. Let's go darker. Murder, stabby stuff. And it's funny that you say that, Martha, the darkest places. So this is another true crime book, and it's called Secrets in the Cellar, a true story of the Austrian incest case that shocked the world. Oh, Oh, right now I can already tell it's a winner. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Um, the author of this book is John Glatt, G-L-A-T-T. Um, he's written several other novels. So this story broke in April of 2008. I personally remember this and because it was just, it was a case that the world once once the story got out everybody was like what in the hell was going on how did nobody know about this so the perpetrator shall we call him in question his name is joseph fritzel or Josef, however you want to pronounce that so he's austrian and they give a little background on him in the beginning so when he was growing up he was very much exposed to the third reich of the nazi party he grew up basically right by you know concent- a concentration camp and all of these types of things i believe and 
his mother was very um, supportive of those types of behaviors and different things. She was a very unloving, harsh human being. And that's just sort of the world he grew up in. And so his his life progresses. They He gets married. They have a number of children, I believe uh, seven, maybe he and his wife. One of his children, Elizabeth, he begins sexually assaulting her when she's about 11. Now he disputes that, but I would tend to believe her. So, and then on August 28th of 1984, unbeknownst to anybody in the family, really, what Joseph had started to do over the two prior years is he had begun a construction project in their home. His wife thought it was something else, something different. He sort of lied on the reports of what certain things were. Anyway, he basically made his own dungeon and tunnel system and basement underneath his home. And his sole intent for doing this was to put his daughter, Elizabeth, down there to create another family. So on August 28th, 1984, he tricks her down into this area by saying he needs help with carrying a mattress or something. And from that day on until April of 2008, she is kept in this tiny cellar dungeon. And it has a whole labyrinth of um, doors and passcodes and different things to even get to the door of the room where she's held. So it, it was very, very well thought out on his part. And now he claims that there was a release mechanism that should he have passed away or he liked to go to, I believe, Thailand to um, basically sleep with sex workers and do all that fun stuff. And he would take those trips pretty frequently. And I don't believe there was a release mechanism. If you want to know the truth, the police could never find it. Anyway, so for the next however many years that is, 84 to 08, you do the math, she is kept in this tiny area that has a little kitchen area, um, a, a toilet, and a shower, and a little living area, really. He continues to sexually assault her, um, starve her, abuse her in a multitude of ways. And over the course of these years, she has, I want to say, five children? Underground? Five or six, yes, underground. So she is forced to deliver these children on her own. Um, and one of the uh, one of her pregnancies and birth um, was with twins. And unfortunately, only one of the boys survived infancy. Um, and uh, again, so this is a warning, child abuse warning. Um, he knew the baby was you know, sick and he had come back down after a few days, the baby was deceased and he threw the baby in the incinerator. So no one ever really knew that occurred. And when his daughter disappeared, he made up this very intricate story to tell his wife and the authorities that Elizabeth joined this religious cult. She's run away. She's never coming back. He even forced her throughout the years to write letters to her mother and saying, this is what I'm doing. Don't try to find me. And then a few years in, it got even weirder. He decided that a couple of the kids that they had down there, 
they were a little annoying because, you know, they cried a lot and fussed a lot. And it's like, well, you know, they're starving and sick. And the only medication he would ever give them for anything was aspirin, despite infections and malnutrition and all of these things. So he decided to, again, have Elizabeth write a fake letter saying, I've had these children. I can't care for them. I'm dropping them off on your doorstep. Up he brings these other two children. His wife is none the wiser. She believes that this is what has happened. So they start to raise these grandchildren. Mind you, she still has three children in the cellar with her. And, you know, the people in their community think that they're this great family and this great couple, all of these things. And he was very abusive to his own children as well, very domineering and controlling. Um, But it was with Elizabeth that the um, incest and all of those things were very prevalent. And so his upstairs family, as they are called, he's raising these grandchildren and his wife is none the wiser. Meanwhile, downstairs, unbeknownst to anyone, Elizabeth and her other three children um, are, you know, suffering from all of these health ailments. And I mean, they never have fresh fruits or vegetables. Her children have literally never been in the sunlight. So you can only imagine what kind of detriment that poses. Um, And eventually he starts to lose interest in Elizabeth because she's lost all of her teeth and she's no longer young and beautiful looking. But her 19-year-old daughter is. Oh, Jesus H. freaking Christ. You've got to be kidding me. Wait, so like his granddaughter? Who is also his daughter. His his daughter, oh, yeah, who's yeah. also his grand... Oh, my... Her, her daughter, who's down in the cellar, becomes extremely ill, which, of course, right? And she is eventually able to convince him to take her to the hospital. But then the doctor calls the police, and he's like, listen, you got to check this out, because this is what they're telling me. So the police get involved, and, and then they start to uncover certain things especially Elizabeth and her children who were living downstairs, they require massive amounts of, you know, mental health therapy, physical therapy, medical treatment, all of these things and have lasting effects. Those things. And Dude, you're t- making Keith cry. Stop it. I know. <laughs> and they're tasting fresh fruits and vegetables for the first time. And, you know, all of these things, he's a monster. And if you Google him, he is just the embodiment of, living walking evil all right hot garbage i mean really i feel like i need therapy after just hearing that rachel i know i need to go live in a psychiatric hospital now yeah (laughs) why are the sick people so fucking smart that they can think to do that shit like holy crap well and how oblivious does his wife have to be that he's digging underneath the house and she doesn't even she's like well, oh okay you know we'll what? do whatever you want to do what when you're married to a guy like that i fully believe that you so badly don't want to know mm-hmm. that you put some blinders on so and that that's you... part of the problem right there i mean because she knows he's with sex workers yeah and it takes a special kind of dude to be married and be like okay well i'm off to yeah. I'm off I'm to not Thailand saying, to yeah. mess with some little boys. Not that I'm saying I'm that, you know, it's the wife's fault or whatever, but I mean, wow. that's why those kind of situations never work out and that you should, I mean, run. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and just run thing. away. He's described as extremely abusive and controlling. And he had told her that this project was something different. For anyone who wants to dive down 
That is the deepest fucking dark hole I have ever heard about. And I had never heard that story before. That's the very first time I'd ever heard about that. I hadn't either. Really? Yeah. I remember when the story broke and when he was in going through trial. Um, you know but, that apple pie I just ate? I think I'm going to have to go throw it up. So, But I guess the good news, he is being punished for everything he did. Oh, yeah. How long, how long did he get? He's never getting out. Okay. Ever. I um, hope he never gets out. Right? When he was arrested in 2008, he was in his 70s at that point. Mm. And he had thought to himself about either killing all of them because he's like, hey, I'm getting older. I don't think I can keep this up anymore. Oh, my God. Or, you know, so he was trying at that time to think of an alternate plan. It's just sickening, too, to hear some of the things he says of basically he was like, I took care of them. What's wrong with that? There are pictures in the physical book. Like of the tunnels and stuff? Um, so there are pictures of him. There's uh, a family tree. The poster. That's got to be a gnarly family tree, dude. It yeah. doesn't branch. Um, family tree that doesn't branch. Right? Uh, kind of, yeah. Um, there are some pictures of the bathroom area and the outside of the home and nothing graphic or anything like right. that. It was a difficult read, but it was a good read and it was... It was something that I remember seeing and hearing on the news. So I liked having the the follow-up and the closure to that. And I hope he is a very uncomfortable and unhappy man for the rest of his life. He deserves it. Um, so again, that was Secrets in the Cellar by John Glatt. Jesus Christ, Those I feel like I should... Secrets in the Cellar, man. It's a whole lot different than my Secrets in the Cellar. I feel like I should pick <laughs> right? a different book just to bring the fucking room back up. You're welcome. <laughs> it's a dark place in my Well, mind. you could talk about the plague and that would bring the room up right now. Yeah, that's true. Probably, <laughs> people were probably happier. At least they could breathe fresh air. Oh, right. For about two days until they croak. Okay. On to the plague. Well, actually, the book that I read is two things. It's science fiction and it is historical. Those two usually don't go together. No, they don't. But this was really interesting. Um, I had actually heard about this book from several different sources. And I finally decided to read it when I was trolling through the science fiction book club on Facebook, which is one of my favorite places to like lurk to see if there are any good suggestions on books to read and whatnot. And this one is called Doomsday Book by Connie Willis. It is the Oxford time travel number one. And it takes place in a world where time travel is possible. And they're using it to study the past. And when, the, when we first, I think it's like 30 years from now or 40 years from now, something like that. I don't remember the exact times, but... Well, actually, at the very beginning, they're getting to re ready to do this next time jump. And the girl is young. She's like, I want to say freshman or something in college. She's been studying the Middle Ages, and she really wants to go to the Middle Ages. It's her big thing. She's very excited about it, doing a lot of study. And they're also doing a dig at the same time. They're digging up this old churchyard area. And so they're sort of doing a coordinated thing where they're going to go back in time to that area so they can see what was going on and sort of study it. Well, they had never done a jump to the Middle Ages because they didn't really have a lot of information during that time. 
So they had considered it very risky and had never done it up to that point. The guy that's in charge of the Middle Ages decides, fuck it, we're doing it. We're going back. And the other guy doesn't really agree with them, but he's like, okay, whatever. So they send her back, but immediately she knows something is wrong because she's delirious. Well, they told her that things were going to be weird when she goes through, that she would be disoriented and whatnot. Well, I mean, she, she gets seriously, deathly ill right away when she goes through. It's kind of split into two timelines for us because we see and hear her story on the, on the end of the Middle Ages. And we're also seeing the timeline that's happening in Oxford where there's an actual pandemic going on. So the, the pandemic that's happening there isn't the plague. The one, I mean, the one that's happening in, in real time is not the plague. They know it's not the plague. They know it's a virus. But it's not a virus that they know. And so me reading about that right now was very... It Relatable? Felt, yes, it felt very familiar. Because a lot of the stuff that was happening was, was similar. Only in England, they totally locked everything down the minute they discovered something was weird. And they wouldn't let anybody leave. They locked the entire area down. One of the best parts is there were a bunch of Americans there who were bell ringers. It was like a bell ringing chorus or something. And they started trying to, oh, my, my rights are being, you know, you can't make me stay here. And it's just hilarious. You know, the way Americans behave is the way Americans oh. behave. And this was actually written back in 1992 is when it was published. But I was amazed at how spot on everything was about the pandemic so then on her timeline, we noticed right away that something is not off. She was supposed to go back to 1320 something, but they made a mistake. There's some sort of something happened and they sent her back instead of to three days before Christmas on this year that she wanted to study. They sent her three days before Christmas during the Black Plague. Whoa, whoa. Not a good time. Right. So it, and it happens right away. Well, the thing about her is she's already been vaccinated for all of these terrible diseases that they've had. And, the, and just as a precaution, they gave her a vaccine for the Black Plague. So she's fine. Oh, that's good. But she doesn't have any medical training and she doesn't have any supplies and she yeah. doesn't have any kind of, and here she is. She's the only person that's there trying to trying to keep these people from making each other sick for the for the plague and she talks about how dirty everything is you know like like they're they don't wash their clothes and they don't wash their hands and she's trying to find bandages and whatnot to help there's nothing sterile you can't sterilize anything it's just like oh their diet is terrible so she goes through all this and it's just so fascinating I really, it was awful, but it was fascinating. In the same way, remember during frog music when mm -hmm. it was during a smallpox epidemic? Well, this was sim a similar feeling to that. I got to see a bit of history through this lens, and I was absolutely riveted to that timeline, knowing that there was still a chance she was going to get away. So that's kind of where I was at during the whole thing, thinking, oh my God, you know, they sent her the wrong timeline. Well... Because she was so out of it, when she went through, she was unconscious 
and was rescued by someone. So she doesn't know where the drop is. She can't find it because she she doesn't remember anything. Uh. So she doesn't know where to go back to in order to go back. Oh, it was so str- it was such a stressful book on the pandemic on our end and on the Black Plague on the other end. But it did have that science fictiony feel that kind of helped me get through the whole thing. And it turned out to be one of my favorite books. Wow. I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. So I highly recommend that book. It's called The Doomsday Book by Connie Willis. And I gave it five stars. Ugh. Yeah. The whole, the bandages, especially when she first gets there. She's just been in this pristine timeline where everybody's super, right. you know, clean. See, that's and- why you need to read World Without End by Ken Follett, because that whole <laughs> thing takes place in the plague, during the plague, and they talk about all of that. Yeah, but there's no chance of getting out of it. That's why I liked this book, because I knew... She could escape. ...that it's time travel, and she wouldn't have to necessarily... I mean, you're, you're always thinking, oh, maybe... Maybe she can escape. You know what it is? Maybe she can escape. I think you have a fear of commitment. You don't want to commit yourself to the plague plague. You have to have an escape route. (laughs) That's right. And I do not apologize for it. Well, it wouldn't. I mean, that's the terrible thing is she goes back there. She probably wants to help. And it doesn't sound like it would do a lot of good because, Vonnie, weren't you talking about like when you read the pen follow like People didn't want to wear masks. Well, I mean, it, like, well there wasn't washing your hands. There wasn't ew. any time in any of this. I mean, it happened so fast that before you even realize the other people were infected. I mean, yeah, it's like there were there were 20 people in the town and six days later, they're all dead. They didn't want to wash their hands and wear masks, though, because they said that was um, practice witches, witches yeah. practice that. Yeah. They, if so you I washed mean, your hands, you were a witch. Are they Trump's ancestors? Can we? Maybe. I think so. Maybe. I think you could probably follow that clear back. It sounds neat. It was interesting because she had foreknowledge of what was going to happen. And mm-hmm. she understood enough about it to be freaked out that, oh my God, you know, here it is. But she didn't have any of the tools that she needed to be able to help because she didn't have any medical training. That wasn't why she went back. She's a historian. She's, so she was supposed to like try to keep track of the historical details. I, I did want to add a little side note. I did read the second one in the Oxford Time Travel series, and I freaking hated it. I was uh-huh. going to ask because I thought that this was the series you said that the second book you didn't like. And the at reason all. that I didn't like it had more to do with the time period that she went back to, or he what was it? went back to. It was during the twenties, twenties or thirties. Like the Great Depression? No, no. It was during the good times. But it was more about oh. the, the, the way they talked to each other sounded like baby talk and slang. Oh, right. Uh, okay. And it kinda was like, so annoying, I couldn't stand it. Kind of like the Great Gatsby? Yes. Oh, they ta- yeah. they baby talk in that book. And, and I couldn't I stand couldn't it. I, it. I was so... I enjoyed it when I when it was a PG Wodehouse stuff because it was funny and you could laugh at it. But this was like... It, I did, that was not enjoyable. I might go and see where the third one is going to go to see if that's to a different time period. But it's really an interesting concept, and I love the way it was done, even though the science doesn't get explained at all, which does bother me, because I would Can like to know them? that. 
What? Can you read them? Can you read them like a standalones, or do you have to read them in order? Like, do things? I I don't see why you happen. would need to read them in order. I didn't see any connection really at all between the first one and the second one. There wasn't much of a carryover. Oh, food, food, food. I feel like that's really rude. Why on earth would you call something oysters, which is an actual thing, and then have it be testicles? It's It's to fool people. It's like calling, that's like lamb fries. I mean, that's so that you can order lamb fries. You'll have a mouthful and somebody go, oh, did you know those are sheep's balls? (laughs) Or maybe. See, I didn't know that either. So That's also rude. Yes, I think it's rude also. Fries are a thing. Yeah. Oysters are a thing. That's just tricking people into eating nasty shit. Well, I, I mean, not that oysters are great, but I oh mean, my god! We, the other day we had testicles that, of shit. The other day we had the show on with Anthony Bour, not Anthony Bourdain. Who's the dude that eats really scary shit? Yeah, the bald guy. Yes. What's his name? I don't I know. know but anyway, we were watching that show. I don't even know why we were watching it. And there's this thing in. I don't know one of the Asian countries, I don't remember which one because I wasn't really paying that close of attention, but where they they have this thing called stinky tofu. But it's not tofu, is it? Oh, it's tofu. Andrew, oh. But it's like rotten fucking tofu. And yeah. then they take and it and they, and, they, and they dip it in some kind of really spicy batter and they deep fry it. So it's, it's this delicacy, this street food delicacy. So he he well, goes like and he tea. eats this and then and then as part of his journey or whatever he goes to the place where it's supposed to have the best stinky tofu and it shows how they make it all right it shows them putting these big blocks of tofu which is soybean right mm-hmm. soybean curd and putting it into this vat these vats of black slime what's the black slime it's got to be some kind of fermented something but i mean you could see the look on his face when he smelled it he he goes this is the worst smell ever and i'm thinking he's saying that right bon appetit and and yet it looked like blue cheese only it was you know tofu i don't understand that whole thing where people want to eat something that's gross i just don't get that do you eat blue cheese no it's rotten dude well at least we can all always agree that mac and cheese is the perfect food that's right yes Especially when you stir it in mixed company. It checks all the boxes. It tastes good. It looks good. It sounds good. Never had a face. It never had balls. Yay, mac and cheese. (laughs) I think they should put that on the box. (laughs) No face, no balls. Uh, And on that note, that's going to do it for Three Three Book Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.